building a business and having success is not about how well you do with the circumstance or with others, but it starts with yourself. And it's about managing yourself. And the thing is, is that you can't manage yourself if you don't know yourself. How do you create an unshakable business? I crossed $100 million in net worth by the age of 28. Now I'm growing acquisition.com into a billion dollar portfolio. In this podcast, I share the lessons I've learned in scaling big businesses and helping our portfolio companies do the same. Buckle up and let's build. What's up, guys? Welcome to my channel. My name is Layla Hormozzi, co-CEO of Acquisition.com. And what I want to talk about is actually the five books that helped me change my mindset when I was in my 20s. And let's be really honest, I've actually avoided doing this for a long time because one, most books that I read, I think are garbage and probably could be summarized in like one to two pages or just not read altogether because typically they're written to sell something, not to educate you on something, right? But I think that these five books are like the meatiest books that I read in my 20s that helped me change my mindset or beliefs about certain topics that have served me well today. So these five books are my recommendation if you're in your 20s and you're looking to build something big, break your beliefs, take on more of a mindset of people of success because these helped me upon my journey and I hope they help you too. So the first book is probably not a surprise to you. It's How to Win Friends and Influence People. However, there's two takeaways that I had from that book that have drastically changed and kind of altered and even built kind of the philosophy of how I run my teams. And so the first piece from that book is that you always want to be asking people questions. And so Alex likes to joke when we go out to dinner with people or we meet someone new, people always like to tell me their life story and they always want to talk to me. And I said, the reason for that is because I only just ask questions. I don't talk about myself. I ask them questions about themselves. And so I always like to think curiosity over judgment. When you meet someone new, act curious, don't act judgmental. This has served me in hiring people, in talking to clients, and in just social situations in general. And I realized when I read that in the book, I was like, oh my gosh, every time I meet someone, I just talk to them about myself. And when people do that to me, I really never want to talk to them again. And so that was super helpful for me. So if you're trying to make friends with people, you're trying to get people to like you, then asking questions about them, because everyone wants to talk about themselves, they don't necessarily want to listen to somebody else who they just met. That was the first takeaway that I had. Now, the second takeaway that I had from How to Win Friends and Influence People is that encouragement is always going to work better than criticism. This is huge. People are constantly talking, and I talk too, about having hard conversations, holding people accountable. How do you motivate people? But you don't motivate people well if you're constantly criticizing them. You actually want to be constantly encouraging people. And so what I figured out is that oftentimes, especially when someone's not doing their job well, when I'm running my business, right? If an employee's not doing a good job, I'm not going to constantly be beating them down about how bad they're doing. Because here's the thing, they're probably beating themselves down in their own head. And what that book taught me was that if you want to get someone to take action, they need power from you, right? They need to borrow your belief and take that belief upon themselves until they have that belief upon themselves organically, right? And so when I'm trying to help someone change their behavior for the better of them, I realize that using encouragement is actually better than using criticism. And so the next time that you're trying to help someone change their behavior, think about how you could get that message across with encouragement rather than criticism. I promise you, and I can almost guarantee you, it will work better for you. The second book that changed my perspective in my early 20s was Man's Search for Meaning. And again, there are two things I really got from this book. The first thing I got was that our circumstances do not dictate how we feel about ourselves. Our thoughts about our circumstances and the meaning we give our circumstances are what dictate the outcomes that we get. And I think that this was obviously displayed throughout the whole book because the book basically talks about you know the Holocaust and people that survived during it. And I actually had the privilege to meet two people that survived the Holocaust when I worked at a retreat center that I mentioned in one of my other videos. That 
taught me so much about my current circumstances because I remember when I was reading that book, I had just moved to California. I was living by myself. I didn't know anybody and I just felt terrible most of the time. I was very stressed and I had high anxiety levels. And I realized that the anxiety was not due to my circumstances. The anxiety was due to the fact that I was making them mean something. I was, you know, labeling my stress. I was feeling stressed over my stress. And reading that book kind of allowed me to stop judging myself for those things. And I think that the moment that you release that judgment upon yourself and you say, this, I'll make this situation mean whatever I want it to mean, not what other people think it should mean for me, then that's something that you can take power over your life and you can understand the fact that winners and losers have no different of circumstances. They just have different meanings they ascribe to those circumstances. And that's really what I got from that book. Now, the second piece that I love from that book is he talks about facing death and that the only way to survive is to be okay with dying. And I think this is such a powerful one. I use this all the time in the term of, I always am looking at being okay with worst case scenario, being willing to feel the feelings that come with worst case scenario and confronting those before I confront a challenge. So if I'm trying to change something in my life and I'm trying to tackle a challenge, I'm trying to do something that makes me uncomfortable and scary, I constantly am reminding myself and talking myself through the situation of making myself okay with the worst case scenario. And so the ultimate worst case scenario of any human is death, right? And so I start with death and I worked on that maybe two years ago, really just talking myself through the fact that I would be okay if I died today and being really okay with it, not just saying I'm okay with it, but being really okay with dying today. And I've been able to rationalize that for myself. And then that, if you can rationalize death and how you'd be okay with it, then you can walk backwards. You can rationalize being okay with failing at a public speech, being okay with failing at business, being okay with, you know, failing at getting a promotion at your job. And so that was such a valuable lesson to me because it taught me that I think there's a lot of hype around positive thinking, but I think that negative thinking and negative visualization is just equally as powerful as positive. The third book that I read in my 20s that was incredibly helpful for me was Managing Oneself by Peter Drucker. And the reason that this book was so good is it taught me one fundamental principle, is that building a business and having success is not about how well you do with the circumstance or with others, but it starts with yourself. And it's about managing yourself. And the thing is, is that you can't manage yourself if you don't know yourself. And so if you look at the trend throughout the entire book, what's really interesting is that he's constantly giving you questions to ask yourself. Because most of us don't take the time to think, how do I like to learn? Do I like audio? Do I like visual? Do I like written? How do I consume best, right? What am I really good at? Am I really good at the things I'm doing now? Or am I really good at other things that are not being applied to the situation I'm in? What am I really bad at? Are those actually things that I'm bad at? Or are they just beliefs I hold that I'm bad at these things? And so he's constantly prompting you with questions to get to know yourself. And that's because I really have realized in building businesses and building now, this is the fourth business I built, is that's all about how I manage myself. The first time I ever built a business, it felt terrible because I didn't understand my strengths. I didn't understand my weaknesses. It was much harder to build a functional organization when I don't understand the core thing the organization is revolving around. But once you understand the core thing it's revolving around, aka yourself, it's much easier to build a functional organization because I can say, well, this is my strength. This is someone else's strength. Here's my weakness. Here's why I need to bring in people to fill for my weakness. And also, it's just so much better to be self-aware when you're building a business because the best talent isn't likely going to want to work for someone who's not super self-aware. And so reading that book was really eye-opening to me. And it's something I recommend to a lot of employees when I'm trying to help them level up their level of self-awareness, right? Because self-awareness is just understanding yourself. It's knowing yourself. It's being able to predict yourself, right? And if you can do that for yourself, then it's much easier to build a business around you and a life that you want. The fourth book that changed my mindset was one that I read actually in the break room when I was a personal trainer at a big Globo gym, and it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. 
And that book taught me three things, okay? So the first one is that rich people don't trade time for money. They use money to get more time. And I remember sitting there and I was like in this lounge of this Globo gym and I was like, crap, I'm literally trading my time for money right now. Like I actually have to train sessions to make money. And that was when I realized, I was like, I have to, he had the quadrants, the four quadrants. And I was like, I need to get into the, the fourth quadrant. I'm only in the first right now. But then it was really felt like a really clear path for me in terms of understanding that I need to be able to make the switch at some point where I was using money to get time. And the first thing I ever did in my 20s at that point was I was like, well, the one way I can buy back more time is if I level up my skill set. The way I can do that is by buying courses and buying books. And so that really encouraged me to continue to invest in myself because I knew that if I became more valuable, I would then be able to create more value, which is money, and then be able to take that money and then buy my time. So that was the first thing that it taught me. The second thing that it taught me is that you don't want to work for money. And I mentioned this in one of my other videos when I talked about the key experiences I had in my 20s, which is that you want to collect experiences. You don't want to collect money. When you're in your 20s, you don't need to worry about making a ton of money. Worry about collecting experiences and skills. And so I remember hearing that, and that was actually what prompted me to then go and work at a smaller gym where I was taking a big pay cut so I could learn from somebody who actually owned their own business. And I was okay with it because I was like, I can make money later. Right now, I need to invest myself. I need to become a more valuable person so I can be a person of value that can make money later on. So that was the second thing it taught me. Now, the third thing that it taught me was that the people that do the worst with money and have the least money are controlled by fear of money, right? Typically, fear of losing money. And this is something that I think actually that book served me so well because I don't have a fear of losing money. I've lost hundreds of thousands. I've lost millions of dollars and I don't feel that bad about it. I'm not scared of it, that's for sure. Does it piss me off sometimes? Definitely. But I'm not scared of it. And the reason for that is if you know how to generate money and you understand money, then you lose the fear of losing money. And so oftentimes what he talks about in that book is that the people that make the worst decisions are the ones that are so scared of losing it. And I think this actually goes back to man's search for meaning, which is you have to confront that fear and you have to learn to be okay with that fear. I'm okay with losing money because I believe that if I want to get to a billion dollars, I'm going to lose a hundred million dollars. I believe that if you want to get to 10 million, you're going to lose a million. If you want to get to 100,000, you're going to lose 10,000. If you want to get to 10,000, you're going to lose 1,000. And if you can confront that, you can be okay with it. You can understand that's normal. That's the price you pay for success. I think that then you're able to switch your mindset and you're going to be able to do so much better. And you're going to have way more success if you have that mindset around money. The last book that I read in my early 20s was Crushing It. And actually, when I went to go work at this small gym, the owner had me read this in my spare time. It was like an hour a day. And I had never heard of Gary Vee. I had never consumed any of his stuff. And I started reading this book, and it was all about social media. And so the book taught me two things. One, it taught me that social media was where everything was going. I was like, oh, I get it now. Like, this is where the entire world's going. At that point, you know, Facebook was really hot. Instagram was just coming out, and so it wasn't super popular yet. And so that actually caused me to go more all in on understanding the platform, studying them, understanding that businesses should be on them. And I became pretty convicted that most businesses should use social media to generate, you know, inquiries. The second thing the book taught me, and this is what I think a lot of people don't understand, is that Gary talks about documenting, not creating. I have another video where I've made where I talk about this. Document. When I say that, I mean, look at your calendar, look what you're doing every day, look at the interactions you're having. That is what you should be talking about. And the reason that I think he says that is because that's what you know well. That's what you're an expert at. You're an expert at the things that you're doing all the time. And so I think that a lot of people lose that and they get a disconnect. They're like, just document, just document. And then they like fake their lives and they do things they wouldn't normally do. And then they go out of character and they talk about things they don't really know because they're like, well, I need to, I need to do things. I need to document. What he means is document what you're already doing because that's what you're good at. 
And that was so useful for me because even now, now that I'm going in on making more content, I can take that principle from that book and apply it to say, I'm only going to talk about the things I know best is maybe this is hot and this is trending and these things are cool over there. But like, that's not who I am. That's not what I'm an expert in. So I'm going to stay in my little world of what I'm really good at. I'm going to do that. And that's what I'm going to make content on. And so I think that a lot of people, especially if you're in your early 20s, don't be ashamed of the fact that you're not expert at something yet or you're not super good at something yet. Like, just be humble, have humility, and share what you are good at and what you are actually doing on a daily basis. And you'd be surprised how far it'll take you. A lot of people come to me and they're like, Layla, I'm in my early 20s. I don't have any skills. How do I get a mentor? And I'm like, listen, I didn't have a mentor in my early 20s. You know why? Because I wasn't a person of value. There wasn't much value I could actually provide that person. And so what I did is I just read books and I studied the people who I wish I could have had as a mentor. And that's what I suggest you do. So if you haven't done that and you haven't read these books, I would say that you go get these five books, read them for yourself, see if you have any of these takeaways. Because the best thing I think you can do in your early 20s to invest in yourself is understand, don't, don't beat yourself up for the fact that you can't get some crazy high-level mentor out there. Like, it's probably not the best time for that. But it is the right time to invest in yourself to make yourself of someone of more value that the next time that you do run into someone like that in five, six, seven years, you can provide so much value that they say, hey, I will, you know, you can come on as an intern or I can mentor you. But right now is the time to focus on consuming books, consuming knowledge, and just studying people that are where you want to be.